Welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is your weekly audio show all about Fulham Football Club. And today it's a little bit of a different podcast. We're doing the Fulhamish phone-in. So as you'll know, it's the international break. There was no Fulham game over the weekend. Normally on a Monday, we've got plenty to discuss from the weekend's action. But as a little bit of a change, we're letting you join in on the show and we'll have a little bit of a debate, all things Fulham, as we enter into a very crucial point in the season. My name's Sammy James. Joining me on tonight tonight's podcast is Jack Collins. Hello listeners. And Ben Jarman returns. Great to have you back, sir. Good evening. I feel sick after Jack's intro every week. Ben, I know people, Jarman. <laughs> this hello <laughs> listeners is becoming more of a thing than I was hoping for. It's even entered your Twitter bio now. Yeah, it's actually the first thing on my Twitter bio. So, you know, give me a like. Yeah, give me a follow. I'm, I'm working towards the thousand. At Jack J. Collins, if you want to find him. So today we're going to be uh, speaking, as I said, to lots of you. Uh, we're also going to be speaking to a Reading fan and potentially even a Sheffield Wednesday fan if our last-minute call-up comes to fruition. Uh, despite there being no Fulham games, uh, still quite a lot to discuss as we enter a, such a crucial time in the season. Ben, uh, just before uh, we speak to a few of our listeners, we didn't get... Uh, to speak to you last week um, you were a late absentee uh, to last week's podcast mm. uh, what were your quick thoughts on the Blackburn and Wolves uh, performances uh, at the cottage Blackburn we uh, should have made changes earlier to, to sway the outcome of the game especially in midfield I think we looked really leggy probably from about 60 minutes onwards and if we would have had anyone in the stand talking to Slavisa they would have understood that and made the appropriate change and we would have won the game instead of throwing away two points. Wolves, we completely f- punched ourselves in the face, but their quality up front is is quite obvious. Um, we just made some rookie mistakes, and I think Frederick's form has been dipping since before Leeds, um, and I'm still really puzzled as to why we haven't used Adoy to replace him over those past couple of games, or if not, just rotated him in and out. So on today's podcast, uh, we've got a few different uh, topics that we're going to discuss. We're going to be discussing that final eight game running uh, it's really getting to a business end i don't know about you but i can't remember uh, a time in the season uh, for years really where a running's been so crucial i guess since the premier league days where we were fighting relegation so to be at the other end of the table looking at the eight games looking at the ones we can win uh, and which ones we need to avoid defeat rather than vice versa even if it doesn't come off of fulham this time it's a pretty exciting time to be a whites fan what a time to be alive, some people would say. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. And it's, you know, last season, I distinctly remember the Bristol City game and watching Lee Tomlin bend in that free kick in the 92nd minute or whatever it was and being exceptionally disappointed with absolutely everything. So I think to be even battling at the other end of the table is something that we've got to be positive about. And, you know, yeah, we messed up, we messed up last week and we slipped up a really really good opportunity to to push into that top six and then to relieve the pressure of you know breaking that once and for all but you know we go to Rotherham this weekend and we have to do a business there relegate them and you know carry on where we left off before these couple of games it's really nice to wake up on a match day with um, those butterflies that sit in the bottom of your stomach because you know there's like in the anticipation of a big result and it's really nice to have that in a positive manner and not a negative one where you're consistently thinking if we throw it away here we're three points off relegation or we're three points from safety now it's a case of if we get the win here 
we're in the top six or we're comfortably above this team there's gaps here um, and then overall just seeing the squad develop in the way it has um, something I don't think we would even have predicted at the start of the season has been really really nice to see but yeah that nervous anticipation this season is really refreshing to have and imagine uh, as you mentioned the Rotherham game that is something that we'll also touch upon later in the podcast I'll be having a bit more of an in-depth look at some of the playoff contenders as I said we've got a Reading fan on the phone potentially a Sheffield Wednesday fan TBC Uh, and and then also a little bit of an international roundup gone are the days of the Premier League where we had uh, dozens and dozens of players uh, going off uh, for international duty the international roundup on the official website is fine more concise these days um, than it used to be but still a few stories oh, Tom Kearney uh, making his Scotland debut uh, Chris Martin uh, defying the Boo Boys once again didn't know so many fat Fulham fans travelled to Scotland for the game um, and also uh, we'll have a little bit of a round up of some of the players playing in uh, under 21 action I know Thomas Callas uh, played for the Czech Republic as well and also it's some interesting news about Ryan Sessegnon did uh, his first interview with the club uh, and was some very positive notes uh, from that interview so I'm sure we will touch upon that uh, later on uh, with also with our guests but boys I think we should get on with the phone in yeah, yeah definitely let's get, some boys get it rolling uh, welcome to the show Alex how you doing Alex I am good how are you guys not too bad how's it going so Alex obviously a bit of an interesting time for Fulham at the moment it was all going so swimmingly the win at St James's Park uh, probably the Nirvana of the uh, recent (laughs) times and then there was those two games against Blackburn and Wolves how do you rate our chances now of top six it's it's, Fulham's such a weird one like that it's I could almost see us beating Newcastle away and then I had no such doubt that the easy home games are the kind of games that we seem to panic at and sort of bottle it like the Wigan people forget that the Wigan home game and the Forest home game we only just beat those two. I mean, obviously we dominated the games but the goals in like the last well against Wigan it was like what 93rd 94th minute yeah it was uh, I, I, I do think we can do it but we've got to it's the home form that's got to improve really yeah, definitely. And, you know, we were discussing this last week about it being our away form being absolutely second in the league, I believe, and our home form. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just, you know, seeing about what we can do to improve that. Where do you think, you know, the squad needs to change or what do you think needs to change in order to sort of make those kind of things happen? I think there's been a bit... I don't know how controversial this is. I'll see what you guys think. I think our set pieces and our crossing actually hasn't been that good every, I mean every every live game I've made it to this year the, one of two things happens if we take the corner direct it very rarely beats the first man and I'm getting a bit bored of short corners that seem to we just get the, the team seem to figure us out really quickly and they just close down the short corner and we're kind of back in a similar position yeah I think uh, I agree definitely with that I think what we do with the short corner is we try to give ourselves a different angle to come in at because it's Mm. quite difficult to score direct from a corner obviously West Brom this season have made it look particularly easy but you know (laughs) being being Fulham nothing's easy for us so I think I think the uh, the thinking behind it is to try and open up that angle and then perhaps hit the back post which nine times out of ten most short corners will do in in normal football but like you say we tend to not be able to get it past the first man which is 
which is a bit of a disappointment. But I, I, I'm in a camp where I think we've got the wrong person on the corners in the first place. And I don't know if, mm. you, if you agree. Like we've got Kenny standing out on the edge of the box waiting for a Hollywood goal. Yeah, um, yeah. We've got someone swinging it in. Well, that's the perfect like, man to take to to take them. Like Johansson's had a good run at them, and it, it's not really working that that well at the moment. I think Kenny's the the person to take them. To be honest. Well, bearing in mind the first goal of the, uh, the first game of the season, it was a, a Kearney corner and a, and a Smith header that. But exactly. Did. The only thing about that is obviously we don't really have that much height in the side anymore. Um, is it, do you reckon it's worth you know changing tack on those kind of things and you know maybe going for the low ball and you know we've seen that work time and time again for for other sides. The low ball sort of let let through the legs into the box and causes carnage and you know defenders don't really know what to do with those kind of driven balls. And but you mentioned as well the the crossing. What do you think? Is it is it putting in terrible balls from our fullbacks or, or, or yeah, more than I, that? It's, it's one of those ones where I, I do think. The fullbacks are are doing well, but sometimes that final delivery is not not there. And it seems to be a few times we've kind of played with that sort of false nine striker, well, and that does work. But also we still seem to be trying to put crosses in when there's not actually an out and out person to kind of actually get on the end of them. Like the false nines, kind of there. Like when we when we were playing Piazon up there, he's kind of more suited to get it getting it to his feet rather than into the box. But we still seem to be um, trying to whip them into the box, and but the delivery is sometimes not actually there. We're, we're better kind of, I think, working it into the box than we are getting it wide and crossing. I, I, the, the last few live games I've been to, I cannot think of a goal that we've scored that wasn't worked into the box. One that's come from like a cross in from out wide. I mean, that natural number nine, that tall figure looking for those crosses in the box, um, is a very controversial man south and north of the border. Uh, Chris Martin hasn't really been getting into Savisa's plans too much of recent games. Alex, would you have him uh, starting in the side if if you were in Savisa's shoes? Yes, I think I would go with it. Um, But it's not ideal. And if you you look at it like this... um, I think we could have pushed higher than we are at the moment. Had one, obviously, we've been able to score penalties. But two, <laughs> we've, we've got we've got as far as we have without a striker. Really, we've got one striker. Well, obviously, we signed Syriac in January, but we've got one striker who essentially doesn't want to be there. Um, obviously, he's a professional, so he's going to do his job. Imagine if you we just had one striker that even 15 plus goals you add that immediately into what we've got already and we'd comfortably be in playoffs Alex um, thank you very much for your call no thank you for having me on so boys uh, on to caller number two of the Fulhamish phone and Owen's on the line how are you doing Owen uh, hi I'm alright how are you Yes, very good, thank you. So we understand you have some points about Tim Ream's performances and uh, some some questions regarding his sort of role in the side. Uh, I do, and and now I've been thinking this this season. Uh, our style of football is very uh, well, as we know, passing, and and Slavisa likes the team to pass out from the back, and I'm all for that, except. Uh, when it comes to Tim Ream now, I, just, <laughs> I, I just feel that this season he's been a complete liability in defence and I'll, I'll just take a few examples so um, at Cardiff away this season uh, he was just mucking around at the back gave it away to Zahor and then tried to tackle him failed and Zahor just ran through and scored and 
it's pivotal moments in this like this in the season that I just feel are so uh, important and this is the kind of thing that the difference between making the top six or maybe not making the top six yeah that's fair enough I think it's a valid point and I think there are you know it's one of those ones where it's, it's just so hit and miss there are you know the, mm. the other the other sort of flip of the coin is that occasionally he does magic things like you know sends a defender the wrong way and allows everyone to shout ream yeah. really loudly <laughs> which is, which is obviously not. well fun <laughs> I agree. Like I, I, I took a few examples of, of times when he has been magnificent. I think, for example, Preston at home. I thought his passing was on point. He was his, his tackling was brilliant, and he, he kept mugging off strikers left, right, centre. <laughs> and um, at Newcastle away as well, he made a good uh, uh, a good few important tackles. But I, I just feel that nine out of ten times, okay, he does he does it right, and that's great. But it's the 10% of the times, especially as a centre-back, yep. that are the ones that count. So if you're a striker, and nine out of 10 times you're successful, it's brilliant. But as a defender, it's the, the 10% of times when he gives it away, and that that's it. I'm, I, I really like Reem as a player. I think he adds so much to the team. Um, unfortunately, it's just a case of him, as you say, being in that position where if he does get exposed then it's just going to be to the detriment of his reputation and also to the team but then like I really like the way he plays he's so assured especially if we're trying to play the ball out the back which it looks like Savic is trying to do his distribution is fantastic and I think if we look at the only viable option well aside Michael Maddow who's very good at playing the ball out the back as well we're looking at Sigurdsson and having Sigurdsson back in as much as I liked him earlier on in the season doesn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence. I don't know if you feel the same about that. No, I agree. Sigurdsson, um, when he got t- taken off the other day, uh, I can't remember what match that was, no, but he got t- taken off Boris. after, yeah, half half an hour when he got taken off after. Yeah. And after he, kept, he went off, we just looked so much better. So I think Sigurdsson's probably, probably going to leave in the summer anyway. But um, I just much prefer no-nonsense centre-backs um, like at the Leeds game, if you uh, look, Pontus Janssen was absolutely magnificent. Yeah. And um, mm. he just he didn't muck about at the back. When he got the ball, he just got rid of it. And it allowed the uh, Leeds to play but a bit further up the pitch. Uh, what do you make of Thomas Callas? I mean, it's still unknown whether he will sign on for us further in the summer. I mean, it would be, I, I personally think it would be an amazing coup if we could hold on to Thomas Callas. But also guilty of the odd occasional clangor and most recently seen I think at Blackburn I personally feel he was far too rash uh, to jump in on um, Emnez. <laughs> what do you think of our man on loan from Chelsea? I much much prefer him I think he's by, by far and away our best centre back and uh, I think in the in the summer if we can nab him and Piazon for, uh, from Chelsea I think we'll be in much better stead for the season ahead whether it be in the Premier League or in the Championship and uh, I think uh, especially he he is uh, a brilliant header of the ball which uh, I love for a centre back and uh, he I think his judgement is slightly better than Reims yep. so uh, when he, he kind of I mean he's still young as well but I think he knows when to play the ball out from the back and when to just you know give it a bit of a welly and um, I think his uh best game for us came early in the season uh, at Brentford when we played them and beat them 2-0 yep. he was every, he was winning every every ball he was just so assured and I got, I just had so much confidence in him that whenever, I knew whenever the ball was going near him he would win it going back to Tim Ream uh, defensively as well he's sometimes a bit slightly out of place 
for example, in the Blackburn game, he's got the wrong side of his man and couldn't decide whether to head the ball away or kick the ball away. So in the end, he decided to do neither and sort of <laughs> knee it away. I don't even know what he was doing. No, I don't. I, I completely it. agree. Completely agree. One one sort of question as a, a sort of closing gambit, I suppose, Owen, is if, you know, either whether we're Championship or, you know, Touchwood Premiership next year, who would you ideally have partner in Callas if we were to make that signing as, as a um, coup? Out of our current centre-backs, definitely Michael Martin. No, 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 just as, um, as, a, as a wider question. Oh, as, as any centre-back at all? Well, I mean, within kind of, you know, range. So Joe Ramos? You can't uh, really hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not letting you have Ramos or Stones. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'd want Stones anyway. But, um, <laughs> but um, as I said, Janssen earlier, who yeah. he's just so good for us. And um, oh, I can't remember his name, but the, when Hull City came, I think they had a centre-back. Harry Maguire. Just, Harry Maguire. Yeah, that'll be it. He Jack's a just, big fan. I'm a massive Maguire. Harry Maguire fan. Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought he was just kind of a bit of a better version of Tim Ream, to be honest. Um, I think so, but preferably a centre back that doesn't linger on the ball. I must admit, he gives me heart-stopping moments uh, about as often as David Button does. Oh, I agree. I was, I was gonna. I, if we had time, I would. Like, <laughs> there we go. We've set an Owen off on David now. <laughs> but, oh, David! Literally, I, I just, I, okay. I, I sit towards the back of uh, H5, and um, whenever I see uh, from up there, David Button go near the ball my heart's just in my mouth and <laughs> I, I, anyway well thank you for having me yeah Owen um, thank you very much for your call very interesting to hear your thoughts on our defence thank you so boys we've heard from a couple of Fulham fans uh, so far Owen was the latest on the phone but I thought as we're still in the playoff chase and I know things aren't looking uh, too great after the latest two results but you know a lot can change uh, between now and the end of the season. Uh, so on the line, we've got Harvey, who is a Reading fan, a fellow team chasing the playoffs. And looking all good at the moment, Harvey. It's looking very nice, yeah. Absolutely uh, defying expectations. Um, yeah, I, to be honest with you, I didn't expect this at all. Um, beginning of the season, myself and a few other Reading fans who were talking, you know, where, where we think we're going to end up. I actually said 14th. Um, Optimistic. So to, so to be sat in fifth. Well, yeah, you know, we, what were we? We were 17th and 18th in the past two seasons. So I, I thought 14th was actually a little bit conservative um, in the direction we were going. But yeah, really great, really happy with Stan. Uh, I just hope he stays and, and, and that this form continues into next season, wherever we may be. Um, Harvey, it's Ben here. I just got a quick question. Um, a lot of the yeah. people here um, across Fulham and across uh, Twitter were saying that the squad is quite average, um, which you seem to agree with. What do you think it is that has, has really set you apart this season and got you to that fifth position, whereas uh, opposed to your 14th prediction? I think it's, I think it's a character thing. Um, I think Yapstam's a massive part to play in that. Um, he he brought players in just because of who he is, really. Uh, you know, when we were getting players joining, like Swift, who's been an absolute revelation, and Liam Moore as well, um, some of their initial comments as soon as they joined the club was, oh, it, I really look forward to playing under uh, a legend like Yap Stam. And some of the results we've been getting, I think, just absolutely prove that. Um, I think back to Blackburn when we won 3-2 in the last minute. Uh, I think back to Bristol City again we won 3-2 in the last minute and it's little results like that I mean we're always always scoring in the last five minutes it's absolutely 
ridiculous how often something happens in the in the latter stages of matches with us and I think that's absolutely to do with character and I, and I genuinely think that is the reason why we are where we are um, maybe a little bit to do with our style of play but a lot of we've got a lot of criticism this season for being boring uh, and I have seen a couple of a couple of games this season which I can absolutely agree with that to be honest with you do you think there's a you know a touch of the kind of Leicester City about this kind of run in terms of you know the squad being more than the sum of its parts? Uh, I wouldn't go comparing us to Leicester no, City, no, but, but I, I mean the the most surprising thing is is I just I've always thought you know a really good team needs a great striking force you know and a, a great out and out striker. And at Reading, we just don't have that this season. We don't have that front man who's scoring bags of goals. Join you know, the like club. Chris Wood is at Leeds. Yeah, which is which is strange. Um, look, it, it, I mean, it is absolutely bizarre. I can't believe we're in fifth place. Um, we've, you know, we've been grinding out some results. We've had some cracking results this season. The win against Sheffield Wednesday, for example, our last game, yep. amazing. Uh, but then the game before that, losing 3-0 away to Preston, it's just, it baffles me. There's been lots of uh, pundits saying that, and Fulham have been particularly looking for these answers, uh, if any team was going to drop out of the playoffs, everyone, even though you've been in fifth and not sixth uh, for the, much of the last few months, everyone has been saying it's got to be Reading, Reading are overachieving, and now you've had that win over Sheffield Wednesday. Um, are Reading fans starting to believe and thinking that they will prove the doubters wrong? Um, I I think we'll end up finishing in the playoffs. I do. I don't think we'll be going up through the playoffs. However, who will go up through the playoffs? I I couldn't tell you. It's a difficult one. Um, I just I just don't think we're quite ready for for the prem yet. Um, it'd be nice to get to the playoffs. You know, amongst our fan base, it, it's you know we're starting to think now. Actually, it would be a major disappointment. And some people have dared to use the word failure if we don't end up finishing in the playoffs. Um, I mean, you can call it overachieving if you like, but but look, you know, we're, we're fifth in the table in a in a you know what's a difficult championship season this season with the likes of Newcastle and Brighton yeah. uh, and Huddersfield as well, who have been really really good this season. So you know, you can you can pundits can can say what they like, can't they really? But you know, we're fifth in the table. We're doing well. We're we're six points into the playoffs as well, so we can afford to drop, uh, you know, a couple of games. But yeah, I don't think we will. I, I think we'll be okay. We'll end up finishing in the playoffs, and I think deservedly so as well. And what have you made of Fulham in the two and a half games uh, that you've played against us this season? Fulham's always been a difficult one because last season, when you were when you were doing your, your work over at Fulham, you may remember I came on the show before. Uh, when Reading were playing Fulham at the Cottage, and you asked for my score prediction, I said two-one Reading uh, with a with an early goal from us. Uh, we got the early goal, and then we lost four-two, and that was the absolute derailer for our season. Ask any Reading fan what happened last season, and they will say it was that four-two game. So obviously, I, I wasn't feeling great when we came to the Cottage this season. And what was it, five-nil in the end? Yeah. It was indeed. Yeah, yeah, and then and then we managed to beat you at home, but you know one nil. But you know Fulham's always been a tough one. It, it looks like you know these days away at the cottage seems to be a bit of a bogey game. But um, 
but you, you know you, you're doing well you're, you're, there's always that team that has that late push towards the playoffs that looks like it's you at the moment and uh, and yeah you, you've always been a tough game um, but I think you know I think Fulham deserve to be there or thereabouts certainly after being in the Prem for so long before they got relegated Harvey thank you for your call always good to hear uh, some perspective from uh, from a different fan thank you very much so we're going to take a little break from our phone-in for a second. Boys, what do we think about the international break? We've got a little round-up of uh, the events regarding Fulham players here. Ben? Yeah, so we had some really good news in the under-19s set up for England um, with Teo Adan um, and Ryan Sessegnon both playing against Spain. He'd done it again. Um, he'd done it again. Interestingly enough, um, Teo scored his first goal for England. Um, you could say he'd done really well. Um, <laughs> Sessegnon came off uh, with just about 15 minutes left to play. Um, and unfortunately, he hasn't started their second game against Belarus, which they're playing in right now. Um, although uh, Edan does start again. Um, so really good news on the under-19 squad there. I guess for Ryan Sessegnon, despite a barnstorming start to his career and obviously this last month or two has been really, really incredible uh, for what he's done, he's still very, very young in the setup, punching above his weight to be in the under-19s and not the under-17s. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I imagine for him, it would just be an experience being with that caliber of player. Yeah. To be fair, to be to be with those boys in that squad now is actually quite a, quite a good learning curve for him. And th- there's a remarkable amount of talent in that squad as well. Yeah. Um, so it's only positive. It's good him. that Cess played on the left wing as well. He didn't start a left back. Yeah. Which is an interesting one. And we've had a lot of chat recently about Cess not being a left back. Yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting that for England he's playing up a bit further. His uh, brother was an unused substitute yep. for England under 17. So that, was, that was nice. And then in the in the senior ranks, uh, the big story has really been the inclusion of Tom Kearney and Chris Martin in the Scotland squad. Now, uh, Chris Martin's uh, really a stalwart uh, in the international side. I guess from a Fulham perspective, it was good that Tom Kearney has come through. Unscathed. Seemingly unscathed yeah. because, as great as it is to see him uh, starting his international career, that was a huge worry for Fulham fans that he might pick up an injury. And actually, did he even play uh, against no, Slovenia? He didn't. He didn't even get a minute last night, from what I've, well, from what I know. No, he didn't. Um, although he did play the full ninety against Canada. Am yeah. I right? I think yeah. Very, or if not the full, then very close. No, he, yeah. he did come off, but he came off very close to the end. Yeah, um, he had an excellent game. He he did really really well, and there was a lot of talk about him being Scotland's pretty much only bright spark in quite a disappointing one-all draw. Um, so you know, shouts out to TC again. He's he's done well. That yeah. five-man midfield is good for him because he doesn't have to track. Strachan then, said before the game that he wanted to play in the style of Fulham, and uh, he didn't quite pull it off. From uh, the highlights I saw, and well, he far to, from it actually. He managed to draw with a lesser side, so yeah, so, yeah I was going to say, say I was quite brilliantly <laughs> done. Brilliantly done, <laughs> for Fulham. Boom. Fulham. Cheer and up, Gordon Strachan. Um, very then, strange with Chris Martin. I mean, I, I joked earlier in the podcast that some Fulham fans must have made the trip north of the border, but he received a very poor reception from the Scotland fans when he came on last night. Yeah, yeah, shut them up though. Yeah, he did shut them up. So it must be that must be you know something a good feeling to shut up the boo boys and whatever. But it is a bit odd. Like he's obviously not in contract disputes with Scotland, so I'm, I'm not sure quite. I think it was purely the fact that he just hasn't been very good. But I saw an interesting statistic today that Chris Martin has three goals in twelve caps for Scotland, 
as opposed to Lee Griffiths, who has zero goals in 12 caps for Scotland. And, you know, Griffiths is quite widely, you know, accepted as being Scotland's, you know, starting striker. So, you know, there's there's something to be said for Chris Martin. He sticks the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and there's something to be said for Gordon Strachan last night as his bench selection was arguably stronger than his first 11. Apart so. from Stuart Armstrong, who was man of the match. Yeah. Um, there's. I just want to talk briefly about Steph Joe, who's been given the permanent Norwegian captaincy. And although his uh, reign, shall we say, didn't get off to the best start in Northern Ireland, uh, he has been given that honour and is now the full-time Norwegian captain. So shouts out to Steph Joe. And how old is Steph Joe? Steph Joe is 25 years old. That's quite a young age so, to be given the national captaincy. Unfortunately yeah. for Steph Joe, looks like he's captaining in a side that's probably the worst Norway have had in a number of years. You know, they used to have players that were playing in the Premier League like on a consistent Carew. basis. Joe, don't say John Curry. Come on now. You know, they had they had a lot of people in in the Premier League on a, for a long time, and now for the most part, a lot of their players play in the second tier across Europe. So um, Steph Joe does stick out, but unfortunately it's a really bad class of Norwegian players that he's leading. And Lars Lagerbeck was disappointed his first ever game. And unfortunately Northern Ireland went down after 90 seconds. And he's meant to bring solidity to that team. So not working right now, but hopefully in the future we see them back in a major comp. So next on the phone-in, we have David, who is a recently... Um, introduced a Fulham fan and he came to London two months ago and you're going to talk to us David a little bit about what makes Fulham special what makes the cottage special so welcome to the show Hey thanks for having me on guys uh, hello listeners Hello I never thought I'd actually say that Hey to the rest of the guys there as well Hey mate um, I just uh, let me give you a little bit of context into before I get onto my question to you guys um, so I was born in Guildford uh, raised in South Africa and um, my sort of memories of Fulham came about when I was about 10, 11 years old in our kind of glory years I guess you could call them 2001, 2002, yeah. 2003 um, of our recent era and my dad in the early 70s was or late 70s was involved in the Fulham reserve squad for a while oh, so, yeah, so I, uh, I only grew up hearing about Fulham and there was no other club I ever con- considered supporting or following, you know. Yeah, not the Kaiser um, Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not necessarily. No, uh, it's the only one I know. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's in my blood, you know. And so I've always been, I've always been a fan from growing up. And uh, about about two months ago, I moved to London from South Africa, and um, I just. There's always been something special about the club as a fan, you know, and I experienced it firsthand for for many years as a fan in another country, watching on TV, celebrating with my family and celebrating with my father and, and my brother and, and having some really good nights. Obviously, Europa League, Great Escape, uh, yeah. Jimmy Bullard era. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those special moments. Yeah, definitely. And there's always been like this kind of unique feeling. Um, and then I went to Newcastle away two weeks ago and like I experienced it firsthand with the crowd, with their away fans. And it's still, even though I've supported the club like from South Africa, I still had that same feeling of like, this is just such a special and like unique club. And it, it's such a cool, um, I don't know, just, it was just, it, it felt amazing to me that I ex- experienced the same feeling in South Africa as I did at Newcastle away. So and is that your I, first away game? 
Yeah, my first away game ever. Can you go to more away games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll that get you tickets. Yeah, yeah, we'll buy the tickets if you're, if you're that lucky charm, David. Uh, yeah, mate. Oh, trust me, we're, we're going to do it more. I'm going. Hopefully, I've got uh, Derby, Derby on the calendar. That's my next one. Excellent. I good. got bitten by the away bike, and it's it's got me good. <laughs> so, um, what are um, you making of uh, progress this season? I, I think it's I think it's obviously got its ups and downs, but I. I I mean, maybe I'm just a deluded fan, but I genuinely think we can make it into six and hopefully make the playoffs. And my dad's going to fly over if we do. So that's another thing that I'm holding on for. But <laughs> I think if we, con- if we compare it to the last season as well, we've come through leaps and bounds and you can really see like a trajectory for us now. Whereas last season, you just think, where on earth are we going? Now you can genuinely see that we're going somewhere. And whether or not we finish six. Or, or outside of sixth place, I still have so much hope for the next season or two, you know, so. Sorry, I just wanted to like interject and ask a really quick question. Well, maybe two actually. Firstly, yeah. how easy, just to give some context to like the rest of the listeners, because uh, yeah. like, you're in a very unique position here. How easy was it for you to, to view Fulham games abroad and how did you do it? And then secondly, if we don't make playoffs this season, how do you see us progressing over the next sort of 12, 18 months and, and and who would you sign to take us to the next level so it, it's, it's interestingly enough in South Africa I actually well maybe not so much in the championship but in the Premier League we would get to see every single game wow. um, it's it's not like Sky where you get a select few uh, if if your game wasn't live you were on the, within two to three hours of your game ending you were on, on TV for 90 minutes Um and I think that's obviously got to do with TV rights and whatever, but there's our sport channel in South Africa, Supersport, will play every single game, 90 minutes of every single game for the Premier League in, throughout a whole season. Um, so in the Premier League, if we're playing anyone in the top 10, we'd be live. If not, we'd be an hour or so later. So it was really easy to follow the progress and watch every single game, you know. Um, and then I guess for the next season or so, if if we don't make the playoffs, if we can somehow hold on to that crucial midfield that we've got going on with Kenny, um, maybe add somebody in central defence, I really think that's our weakest spot at the moment. Someone to stay beside Callas, if we can hold on to him as well. Yep. Um, I really still think it's a positive future as long as Slavisa's in the driver's seat there's no reason why we can't continue to progress. And if we just miss out on playoffs this year, I don't see why we can't make automatic promotion or definitely make playoffs next season. When we talk about our central defence, we always seem to say Callas and one other. Is there any reason Mm -hmm. why you wouldn't have someone like a Tim Ream next to Callas or anything any any of those guys or a Maddell, for example? Why are we looking for another centre-back? I quite like Maddell, to be honest, and... I was at Newcastle when we played them at home as well and I just I don't know if did they, do, do, do you guys remember if they played side by side that game Callas and Mallow did Mallow. yeah Callas and Mallow yeah, brilliant I, honest, I don't know why we ever changed that routine I understand what a lot of people say about they needing the height of Ream and just kind of the traditional straightforwardness of him being able to head the ball out and all that but I just think for a number of years now we've always had a centre back that's with a more capable centre-back that is prone to errors. 
And it's those like little errors that can really like stunt your momentum in a game. So you, you're kind of building your midfield, you're passing, you're getting the ball in, and then something happens at the back where the rest of the team are just like, oh. And I, I just feel like Reem is still kind of that guy that can let us down, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to my, my question that I, I was eventually going to get to for you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, go for, it. go for it. If you've got the time, whether or not it's like one of you or all of you answering, but just basically what I was getting back to was like, am I just a deluded fan who's been following this club his whole life? Or, or is there something that's like truly unique about our club? Um, I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on, on whether it's a ground or, or certain players or history or um, previous owners or anything like that. I would love to hear your guys' opinions on what you think makes makes our club so unique. I'm sure there's you know fans all over the country who believe that their their club is a special club, but you know I, yeah. I, I'd be I'd be tempted to agree with you. I think there is something about there's something about the cottage being so you know so valuable and so iconic iconic in its kind yeah, of dramatic setting and how you know the you know parts of the Johnny Haynes stand are still wooden and you know there's something about that that says that yeah. there's more than just a kind of franchise any club will do feel about about Fulham and I think that's what makes people so protective and so you know him feel so attached to the club there's always things yeah. that have happened I remember the club putting out a promo video a couple of years back about being more than you know just your average football team and it being to do with the kind of atmosphere and the family that Fulham creates and you know I'm sure that, that this happens in a number of places I'm not I'm not saying it's, it's perfectly unique mm-hmm. to us but I think that there's something in that that it's you know a club in London that doesn't have a traditional fan base in any particular area of London it's drawn from you know a variety of places and that you know yeah it's quite seen as a family and a friendly club and I think that that, that matters and you know while some yeah. people you know don't like that and obviously there's going to be people that want it to be an, you know, an aggressive and loud and you know yeah. we, we all like you know we all like a sing song me more than most and you know I'm, I'm, sure. I, I want there to be you know atmosphere in that but I think there is something about the fact that Fulham is an inclusive and a you know a place where people feel that they can come and, and be at home I think there's more to it than it just being a football club yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well said. I think also if we look back over the history of football, Fulham have been at the forefront of a lot of a lot of changes. We were the first club ever to be professionally found in London. We were the first club to ever pay a player over a hundred pounds a week. Um, it's a bargain now, which is an absolute bargain now. Um, we had arguably one of England's best ever players play for us and decided to stick mm. with us throughout his career. Um, like Jack says, we've still got the incredible stand. We've still got the heritage of having this amazing ground. Um, I think it's that beautiful that even fans of other clubs distinctly come out of the woodwork when you say you're a Fulham fan and they say to you, I love Craven Cottage. I love the club. Yeah. It's because yeah. there, there's so many unique and valuable points about the club. And then even so, if we look in, in, in a lot of modern history... We were one of the first clubs to ever have uh, an o- a foreign owner uh, and an, mm-hmm. an eccentric one of that as well. And I think a lot of play- people were enamoured by um, Al Fayed and, and they loved him and we can still see the legacy of that today. We still we still sing his name and he made us what we are today. So I think that's why people, well, that's why we also love Fulham, the history and, and the people behind it. 
going to say I'm glad I'm not crazy then. <laughs> no, very much not. Definitely, definitely not crazy. Yeah. Look, David, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and we'll chat soon, yeah? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. And, and congrats on building up the podcast as quickly as, as you guys have done. Thanks, thanks so much. much. Thank you, mate. It's all Take down care, to your man. support. No worries. Cheers, guys. See you later. All right, have a good evening. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. bye. So we've got another man on the line, boys. Uh, we're speaking to Ross. How you doing, Ross? Yeah, all good, thanks, mate. Yeah, very good evening to you. Uh, now, Ross, uh, you, uh, I understand you uh, follow Fulham at home and away as much as you can. Uh, we've got eight tough games coming up. Uh, some particularly difficult away trips, uh, those trips to Derby, Norwich and, and Sheffield Wednesday stand out. What kind of a test do you think that our running is going to pose to Fulham? Yeah, I mean, on paper, it's looking difficult uh, compared with some of the other teams in and around us. Um, but I think that was all, always going to be the case. We know it's going to go down to the wire. Um, but, but looking at our squad, you know, and looking at the way we have performed when it when it clicks, there's no reason why we can't get a result in any of those games. And uh, as the last few weeks have shown us, you know, you, you can never predict which games we are going to get the results in. So... You know, as long as we're there or thereabouts, obviously we've only got to be within within three points of Sheffield on the last day. So, you know, I'm I'm feeling hopeful that we're we're going to make it, but it's definitely going to be tight. Is there any games in particular, Ross, that you're worried about? I know for a fact that I'm absolutely cacking the fact that we have to go to Carrow Road. Um... Yeah, but you never know with Norwich. I mean, they they're just they're a bit like us, really. They're inconsistent. I mean, yeah. I'm sure if you chat some of their fans, I don't know what their running is like. Actually, I've sort of only been concentrating on the teams above us but you know they're, they're not a million miles away and you know they're going to be up for it uh, Derby worries me obviously everything that's gone on this season with them yeah. um, I'm sure they'll be up for that one and obviously Gary Rowett will that be his first or second home game so obviously they're going to be uh, putting on a performance for him so I think yeah Derby Derby concerns me getting, getting points there but um you know, if if we win our home games, then you know get get a few draws on the road, and we we should be there or thereabouts. How much do you think those five drop points against uh, Wolves and Blackburn uh, will come to haunt us, or do you think we had that flexibility? As as you did just say, it's very hard to predict, and and Fulham seem to be testament to winning the big games and losing the easier games this season. It's easy to pin pin it down it's always you know the next game is always the most important game and obviously they were a good opportunity actually to get into that top six finally but you know it happened earlier in the season it was sort of October time wasn't it where we dropped a lot of points at home as well um, so I don't think at the end of the season we can we can pin it down on those two games um, it's just it's just frustrating it's been our problem all year just putting a consistent run together um, so I think we're always going to have setbacks and you know even teams right at the top of the league Newcastle Brighton they're, they're dropping points um, where you wouldn't expect them to do so so I think that's just the nature of the league um, and I think you know it, it's definitely not over and I think if you'd, if you'd given us this position with, with eight games to go even though they are tough games I think pretty much everyone would have taken it um, certainly at the start of the season and even sort of Christmas time I think we all knew it was going to go down to the wire I think there's a couple of bits left in terms of my sort of question to you is I know we've said it's hard to predict how you know who's going to do what and what's going to come next what do you reckon in terms of points from these last eight games is going to be necessary to you know 
basically get get there? I think looking at it, I've always, I mean, you look, it's been relatively consistent over the years. I think we need to get to 78. So, I mean, you know, there's various ways we can do it. Can't really afford to lose many games, but um, it's draws that have been our setback, hasn't it, the, the whole way through. I mean, look at our goal difference. It's clear we're, I mean, on our day, we're, we're better than anyone, but it's just those draws. Um, and you know you just got to turn a couple of them into wins so it'd be interesting actually to see what what he does uh, the manager just going into these uh, especially as it gets right down to the wire because it'll get to the case where we may have to risk losing a game a tight game in order to try and get those three points but I think 78 is the target I can't I can't see us missing it with Sheffield to play on the last day I think that's the difference obviously as long as we're within within three points so you know if we win sort of five out of the next seven then I think we'll we'll definitely be in it on the last day of the season I can't see us having it wrapped up before then to be honest so it should be should be a good day out in uh, in Sheffield either way well that was my next point there's obviously some difficult trips there in terms of football but from an away fans perspective some some great trips up north uh, which ones are you particularly looking forward to yeah, well, I'm off to Rotherham, Rotherham on Saturday. I had a great time there last season, actually. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those where we've got to win it. I, I can't see us not winning it. Um, I, I mean, I think we'll mathematically send them down, won't yeah, we, if they, we will, yeah. if they get anything other than a win. So I think that'll be a good day out. Um, they're all tight. They're all good. Um, I think, yeah, definitely Sheffield on the last day. And one thing I would say about, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday is, I mean, if we do if we do make it, it's probably the best possible way to get into the playoffs. To be honest, with that momentum on the last day, um, and what a day out it would be. I think we'll. I don't know how much their away end holds. I know it's a it's a big ground, but you'd like to think we'd we'd sell out if there's something riding on it. So, obviously, that's going to be a memorable day. And if we if we make it, um, that will stand us in good stead with all the momentum going into the playoffs. So, if we get there, I think you know. Most, I think I'd back us. I can't. None of the teams really worry me, but um, it's just making that final step, just trying to finally get in the top six. So, fingers crossed. Uh, but, yeah, I think, like most people, I'll be getting to as many as I can. Brilliant. Well, Ross, uh, we hope it goes uh, as well as planned. Um, enjoy those away trips, and hopefully uh, you and I can meet up for a beer. Yeah, I'll see you there, mate. So, our final guest for the evening is Fulhamish's number one fan, and we so couldn't excited. do anything but get this man on to finish. So, let me introduce the one, the only George Rosser, to please, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> George, honour to have you on Fulhamish. Oh, um, thank you. Why are you such a big fan of the pod, George? Jack. <laughs> is Jack your favourite? Obviously, I'm everyone's favourite. He should be our stato. He's better than Mike Rigg or whatever his name is. <laughs> what about Ben, though? He's quite good at stats. Can we not? He's Ben, isn't he? George hates me. <laughs> blank. Blank. George, well, yeah, we're going to you know, do, some, do some stuff about next season. You know, what, what are your feelings about you know, where we are, what, what the last eight games are, and what we're going to kick on to do? I, I just don't know if I want to be pessimistic or optimistic because one side of me, you know, you want to be in the Premier League, you want to keep the top players, you want to have a higher chance of signing players like Calas, Piazon, players we might not be able to sign if we if we stay in the Championship. But from the fans' point of view, I don't know if I want the Premier League because 
this season's been great being able to see you know what the 14 15 games i've been able to see at cheap prices like 10 15 pound for a ticket quite reasonable yeah and i don't want to have to pay 30 pounds a ticket three or four times a season where the highlight of the season is going to be a two draw with man united rather than you know five nil wins over huddersfield and reading yeah, that is a valid point. I think I've made a few arguments on the pod this season, George, about actually do we want to get promoted and it actually is the prize, is the pot at the end of the rainbow that fruitful, really? And I guess that, that is the problem, but it's hard not to aim for victory and you know, to aim for success. Exactly. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about the squad if we don't get promoted. Like, would Martin stay? Would, you know, Piazon, Callas, I mean, Callas, if we want to sign him, is going to be 10, 12 million, and I can't see that happening unless, you know, we're up in the Premier League. And with him going back to Chelsea, possibly, I don't really rate Tim Ream or Sigurdsson, then the backup would be Stimman coming back, and who knows if he stays. It's, it's worrying if we don't go up. Yeah, there are, you know, if we, you know, let's say we do keep Kalas and let's say we don't go down. Is there anyone, we've asked this a couple of times tonight already, but is there anyone you'd pick as a, as a signing to, you know, to put in there next to him to shore up that back line? A solid striker that's not as slow as Chris Martin, maybe in Naki Wells. No, I mean in defence. <laughs> oh, in defence. Yeah, to go alongside Kalas. No. Oh, I wouldn't go Naki Wells in defence. Uh, <laughs> 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 um... In terms of the championship, I'd love to get one of the boys from Brighton if they go up and get, say they go up and sign a top-class centre-back. I wouldn't mind Duffy or Dunk to come back down. Yeah. They've clearly excelled this season. Or Stockers, back in his natural home. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. George, if you could sign anyone for next season, who would it be, mate? And um, Why? Anyone. Anyway, well, not within reason. Within mate. reason, I'm not saying sign Messi. Connor Hurahan. Yeah! You and Jack get on too well for my liking. Are you related to Jack? <laughs> you might as well be. No, you're right. It's the exact right. It's exactly the right person to, to put in there. Actually, I do think centre midfield is probably where we need to strengthen least. In fairness, I just imagine the diamond of McDonald defensive, Kenny attacking, and then Johansson and Hurahan in the middle. He's filthy. <laughs> you and Jack really do share too much for each other, don't yeah, you? Sorry, Jack's enjoying himself a little bit too much George, in the corner you, from that response. George, do you think that if we go up this season, do you think it's too early for us? Or do you think we're about yeah. right? And who do you think oh. could cut it in the in the Prem? I, I think it's far too early for us, personally. I don't think any of our players, if like maybe a couple, like the lone players, maybe Kalos, Piazon, they'd be ready. I think Kearney would cut it. I, I think he is the real deal. I don't think this is a one-season thing. But apart from that, there's not many I can see that would really stand out in the Premier League. I don't think we've got enough debt at all. I feel like when Cabano and Aite went to the African Cup of Nations, you really saw that lack of debt. So I, I personally don't think we're near ready at all. I just think another season under Jukanovic and then maybe we can fight for the top two and then we'll be ready. 
Uh, George, if Fulham do break into the top six, uh, we're going to have uh, a couple of games in the playoff semi-finals. How do you see Fulham faring in what is going to be two very high-pressure matches? Do you think uh, Fulham's side has got the mental edge as much as the ability? Because I think we all know that Fulham's got one of the most talented sides in the Championship, and I don't think too many other opposition fans would disagree. But do we have that mental edge uh, to cut it over two legs? I want to be optimistic and say yes, but we've had our chance in the last two games against teams right at the bottom of the league in Wolves and Blackburn at home. Um, we've simply just not played well enough. We haven't showed any bottle as a team. I think Kenny, the captain's really slumped and his attitude at the moment's not he's not in the best frame of mind. So I think if we meant to the playoffs, I wouldn't be sure whether if we wouldn't have the bottle or whether the fact we'd actually be in the top six and not just chasing it maybe that would change things and we'd really go for it and maybe have that day out at Wembley. If Jack can't make it, George, do you want to just come up in his place? Because it pretty much will be a like-for-like replacement. Straight swap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, you know, that is Cabane for Aite, isn't it? It's not, it's not bringing in Piazon. Like-for-like completely. Yeah, 100%. George, um, thank you for being on the pod tonight and being our final guest on the first ever Fulhamish phone-in. No problem. Cheers for having me, boys. Well, there we go, boys. That is the end of the inaugural Fulhamish phone-in. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed uh, speaking to just a different range of Fulham fans, finding out some different opinions other than our own. I loved loved David's call. Really did remind me why we all love the club. And then speaking to George at the end... He's a good lad, isn't he? He's a good lad. He's a good lad. So we will be back next week with a regular episode of the podcast. Uh, We'll be analysing the Rotherham game, uh, which, as we've mentioned, uh, is going to be a potential banana skin with them facing relegation, but one that both of you would expect to win fairly comfortably at the end of the 90. I think we just need to, you know, be back, be sharp and go into it you know, with the right attitude. And I think if that happens, we're a better side than Rotherham, we should beat them. So, it's, it's you know, there's nothing you know particularly tricky about that. If we play, and we've had this international break now, if Ryan Fredericks has maybe had his nap and everyone is ready, you know, ready and firing again, then there's no reason we can't beat Rotherham. I think the international break come at the right time for us. We were, we're you know, wobbling towards the finish line and it looked like we did need a little... A little pep up and a little, a couple of little tweaks on the training ground and and just to refresh a few legs because I think the last is definitely the last half hour against um, Blackburn and the Wolves performance just showed that we just needed a little bit of a rest, a little bit of fine tuning, and then just hit the ground running for the next nine games and or eight games, sorry. And we can definitely beat Rotherham. And as much as I don't want to relegate a team, you know we have to beat them. Someone, has, you know, they need to win every game. 5-0 or whatever we mentioned last week to, in order to stay up so you know it, that's not going to happen someone's going to have to relegate Rotherham at some point so, so it, might as well be it may as well be us then we might as well put them out of their misery it's a yeah. mercy killing really <laughs> <laughs> well we'll be back next week uh, so Fulhamish has taken a little bit of a, a side turn this week with the phone it'll be a regular show next we'll be looking back at the Rotherham game looking ahead to the Derby and Ipswich games when we return to the cottage in just under a fortnight's time I imagine and Farrell will be back next week. Are you boys on the show next week? Yep. Yeah, I'll be here. Beautiful. And we'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Take it easy. See you later. Toodles. <laughs>